Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 12.40 KFH. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition of Sports Daily. Thursdays, always fun here on the program as we get our pal Chelsea Messenger to stop by to talk a little betting. Of course, now that includes not only the NFL and college football, but a World Series and the start of the NBA season. Tommy, don't look now. We are real close to the start of the college basketball season. It's like that perfect, you know, divergence of everything slamming together. Right now, late October, early November, the best part of the sports calendar, if you ask me. But we'll get into that. We can look ahead a little bit to the World Series. Uh, we did some of that yesterday, but we can sort of dig in. We've got Thursday night football tonight. We have our uh, K-State insider, Tim Fitzgerald, to join us top of the next hour. Jam-packed show, as always. Uh, Thursdays are a lot of fun. You can, of course, participate on the IHOP hotline at 869-1240. IHOP, where guests can enjoy the new pumpkin spice pancake combo. Uh, all kinds of good stuff there. We'll give away some HDO. We'll give away some AEW wrestling tickets. We'll give away some Wichita Thunder hockey tickets. So a lot to get to today. Welcome in, everybody. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster, Jad Chambers. Tommy, how are you? I'm good. It's a busy Thursday. A lot to get to. It always is this time of year. You called it, you know, the time when all the different sports converge. I think Chelsea Messenger, didn't she call it? Like the sports equinox, I think was she the had phrase yeah that she, she had a term for it yeah last week and and I agree with that I mean that's right there I mean we literally we've got all these different things you know coming up and and in front of us right now so looking forward to getting into it. So we had the NBA sort of you know get under uh, get underway like we had a couple of games and then last night we had the real start and I mean honest I think the I think this the the thing last night that at least I was watching, was was Wimby. Victor Wimbanyama got his debut against the Mavs. I watched a little bit of that. Um, the Spurs lost. The Spurs probably aren't going to be very good, right, this year. We don't we don't think so anyway. But, you know, it's sort of how quickly can he come on, the biggest and, and most hyped up and excited prospect probably since LeBron James. And, look, he was really good. Last night, 15 points, five rebounds, two assists, uh, and he had uh, he had some blocks in there. Let me get the total number of blocks he had. He had just had one the block. one block. One block. Uh, and then he made three three-pointers. He turned the ball over five times. He had five fouls. You don't like to see that, but again, it's an 18, 19-year-old kid. I think he's 19 now. It's going to take a little time there. But I thought that was a pretty good debut, and I thought right out of the gates you saw some of the challenges he's going to present to other people. You know, but oh, by the way, you know Luka Doncic also is a great young star and had a triple double in that game. So um, pretty cool. I mean, I was in. I was in to watch Wimby. I that was the only NBA action really I watched of the opening couple of days there. But I do think he has that sort of appeal. Like, what's this guy really going to be able to do? Uh, and and I thought it was a good debut. Yeah, I think that, you know, with a guy like him, there's going to take it's going to be a little bit of time 
take a little bit of time for him to get acclimated and adjusted to the NBA. I mean, you mentioned the turnovers, you mentioned the foul trouble that he got into. And I think that, you know, the longer that, you know, the more games he plays, the better he's going to have an idea on how the referees are going to be calling fouls, you know, how to take care of the ball a little bit better. But man, from just a physicality point of view, I mean, the reason why people are so enamored by him is just the way that he looks, right? It's just, he's like a unicorn. And, you know, so that, you know, being able to be on the big stage in San Antonio in the NBA, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think the Spurs are going to be very good right away. Uh, but we know what Greg Popovich can do with young bigs and develop them and grow them and build them. I mean, we've talked about it. We talked about it as soon as he got drafted, you know, that it was going to be the perfect place for him to grow into being a legitimate superstar in the NBA. And, you know, night one, I think there was some good. There was some not so good. But the longer he's in the league, the, the more he's going to get accustomed to it and ultimately, I think, be able to take over. Yeah, I, look, I think I think he's going to be a star. I think it's going to work. Um, you worry about the frame, right? And and all of the players of his type, right? The the young, really tall guys who aren't like centers have that same sort of frame. Dirk Nowitzki had it. We've seen Chet Holmgren have it. You know, in Oklahoma City, uh, there's a, the list is long. I, I don't know if you've seen some of the videos of his flexibility. Tommy, it's like not Wimby, but it's Gumby out there. Yeah. Like, it's wild. Yeah. And I do think that will serve him well. And if he can stay on the court, I think he's going to be a star. Like a star star. Or like MVP at some point kind of star. Because I do think that he will... Like, I watched him bring the ball up the floor several times, which was interesting. But his ability to block shots from places that we're not we're not used to seeing shots get blocked at, That's that I think is what's going to make it really cool but I again I said this when he got drafted how awesome is it that he's in San Antonio I, I mean like you could not pick a better spot for him with that coach in that city with that fan base it is an awesome awesome NBA city and one of my favorite cities in the country quite frankly I, I think people always ask me because I'm from Texas they're like oh you know what's the I tell people all the time, I think San Antonio is my favorite city. In San Antonio is one of my favorite cities in the country. It's a, it's a really cool place. But that was good, and, and I think he does have the appeal to bring people into the NBA because he did me. And, look, I'm not I, – I, we talk about it all the time. I've become a college guy now because we watch so much college basketball for what we do that I have watched less NBA, especially in the regular season – and they got me last night, and it was because of Wimby. And I look, I like the Mavericks, and I, I wouldn't have watched. That. I wouldn't have watched that game otherwise. I wouldn't have. I'll be honest with everybody. Like I'll always be honest with you. It's not. It's not something I'm locking into every night. But maybe I will when Wimby plays. Maybe if I do know he's coming, uh, I will. Um, another headline I saw, and we talked a little bit about this yesterday, Tommy, to the NFL here. Uh, some reports now that Derrick Henry could be traded. Uh, there are teams interested. The Ravens, according to uh, Buck Reesing, who reports for the Titans, say that the Ravens are the most interested now. I've heard rumors of the Bills. I brought up the Cowboys yesterday as a team that ought to be interested. But it looks – I mean, if I, I don't know why the Titans would go to these – other than, you know, if you go to Will Levis and you want Derrick Henry to protect Will Levis, I would understand that. But if you're going to Will Levis, you're, you're throwing your hands up on this season. To, to do something. And I don't think that's necessarily the wrong thing to do, but it 
if you have a tradable asset and who knows what Derrick Henry could bring, it makes a lot of sense to trade Derrick Henry. And oh, by the way, Tajay Spears, I think, looks like a star. So he's going to be good anyway. You get, you know, you get him warmed up, you get your young quarterback and you evaluate and go through what Tennessee obviously would hope would be a quick rebuild. But I, I think we're going to see Derrick Henry on the move. I thought that yesterday. I certainly think it today. Yeah, my only hesitation with that is, you know, I'm not 100% convinced that the Titans are done and out of it. I mean, I know that Ryan Tannehill is injured and they're going to see what they've got in Will Levis and they've got Malik Willis, who's probably not going to be anything uh, of note in the NFL. But I'm not 100% convinced that the Titans are done. They're two and four. Um, now, if they lose this weekend, two and five, you're three games under 500. That becomes a little bit more difficult, especially with what Jacksonville is doing in the division. And we know how difficult the AFC is. So I understand all of that. I think they're kind of teetering on that edge of whether or not they're actually done. And the, the bad thing about it for them is that the trade deadline is coming up quickly. And they've got to really make an assessment on whether or not they're done for this year. And also, how much value does Derrick Henry have right now compared to what he might have next season or the season after that is the window on Derrick Henry closing, you know? And so can you try to get some value out of him? And and again, I don't know. We talked about this yesterday, exactly what kind of value that is. If it's a mid round pick, a late round pick, I don't exactly know where his value stands. Um, But I do, I understand the Titans exploring it. It's just a little bit surprising to me because I don't think they're totally done. He's a free agent next year. Here's why I think, one, he's a free agent next year. The Titans aren't going to resign him, right, no matter what happens. So there's yeah. value in that piece of it. Um, I think that right now you've got teams that – I don't want to say desperate because I don't think that's the right word, but they they feel like a move like this can put them over the edge. Think Christian McCaffrey last year, right? And I, Derrick Henry – look, Derrick Henry with the Ravens, that would put that would be something – that could absolutely change the landscape of the AFC. Derrick Henry to the Bills? Maybe. I think James Cook is probably fine. Derrick Henry to the Cowboys could absolutely change the landscape of the NFC. And I think those teams know it. And I think those teams are in a pretty good position to go make an aggressive move like that. What's it going to cost you? A fourth-round pick, probably. Maybe a third-round pick. Because Henry's coming up to a free agent anyway. And, and, you know, he is – how old is Derrick Henry? He's 30 now, isn't he? Uh, 29. 29. So he's Nine. very yeah. close to 30. He'll turn 30, like, I think before the end of the year. So it's – it makes a lot of sense. And if you're Tennessee, and even if you are still in it and you're Tennessee, if you've watched Tajay Spears this year, it's like, this guy's pretty good. I think even if we are in it to compete for a playoff spot, we know we have to go to the young quarterback. I think you can absolutely justify – trading Henry, who is a Hall of Famer, and quite frankly, like it gets Henry a better chance to win too, so it's not like a knock on Henry if you're the Titans. And and you can do two things at once. You can help yourself in a rebuild. You know you're not signing him in the offseason. That's why they drafted Ty J. Spears, like all those things. It doesn't make any sense for them to do that. So if you know all that, and, you, and somebody's willing to give you a third, probably a fourth, I think you do it all day. And, and it does. Where he lands could change things. Look, I know people like to dog on running backs, and I do know Derrick Henry is not what Derrick Henry was two or three years ago. But, man, you put him into a backfield in Baltimore where you've got a couple of different guys they can throw at you. You put him in a backfield like Dallas where he becomes what Zeke was to Tony Pollard. 
bring that on. Like I, I'm I, as somebody who roots for the Cowboys, I would give up a third or a fourth for him all day because what else are you doing, right? Like it's not like the cow. This is it for the Cowboys. Like they're not just all of a sudden going to get better and like slowly. No, like if you're not all in now, what are you doing? And it's maybe not quite that way with Baltimore, but it's pretty close to that way with Baltimore. It's certainly that for, way for Buffalo. Like, if you're yeah. not in right now, what are you doing? I don't really see the Baltimore connection. I mean, I feel like – I know they've had a lot of injuries, but you know, Justice Hill and Gus Edwards have looked pretty good for them. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I, I think that – I mean, they played really, really well in the blowout against Detroit last weekend. So I don't really necessarily see that – I don't really see Buffalo because you mentioned James Cook and what he's done. I desperately would love to see Derrick Henry in Dallas. And I'm not a, I'm not a Cowboys fan. I would love to see Derrick Henry in Dallas. And because it would absolutely blow up the NFC and it would blow up the football world. I mean, because you've got probably, you know, even after a couple of losses, San Francisco at the top, Philadelphia is right there, and then really Dallas. I mean, Detroit kind of in that same in that same stratosphere also. But man, you put Derrick Henry on that offense, and I mean, I just I think that it would it would be so much fun to watch, and especially in the playoff hunt as we get later into the season. I would love to see that. It, there, I mean, it would be it would be a perfect fit. It really would. Like yeah. that's exactly what they need. They need Dak to be able to get the play action. The Tony Pollard as a feature back experiment is not good. I didn't think it would be good. I told you I didn't think it would be good. The guy's never done it before. Derrick Henry to Dallas would help Tony Pollard, too. It would put him yeah. back in the role that made well, him so Well, remember how successful. good Tony Pollard was when he was exactly. the change of pace back with Ezekiel yes. Elliott. And Derrick Henry yes. is a better Ezekiel Elliott. You know, so I think Correct. that there's— Derrick Henry right now is better than Zeke yes. was last year. I'll yes. give you that. Zeke, when he was good, was as good as there was. He was incredible, but he got old. I mean, that's what happens. Derrick Henry is a little bit of a unicorn, sort of like Adrian Peterson, where they're aging a little more gracefully than running backs typically do. Um, and, and it just, like, Dak needs to play action, all of that stuff. And, yep. and, and it's know, always it's always all in with the Cowboys, too, right? Like, they, it has you know, the to window— be. The window with Jerry Jones is not getting any longer. It's not getting any bigger. So, you know, he's got to be all in all the time. I, if I'm Jerry Jones, I'm on the phone now with Tennessee, yeah, and I too. have been consistently like, what's it going to take to get this done? Because we want to use him, even if he's going to be a free agent after next season, we want to use him this season and next because we're going all in. Yep. I, I, he's, I think he's going to move, and I think there are a lot of teams that will have interest. And that's good for, you know, that's good for Tennessee because Tennessee can just take the highest bidder, basically. Like, who's going to give us a third? Maybe somebody even gets into the second round. And and again, like, if I'm a fan of one of those teams, well, it, not, not every team is the same. But if it's like Buffalo, Baltimore, Dallas, where they are probably close enough, and what are you going to do with the second? You can be okay if you don't have a second round pick next year? Yeah, you'll probably be fine. Right. I don't I, I'm not saying that's what I would want to pay. And I don't think it's going to get that high up, but I, I think it'll get to a third if you get enough teams interested. But it's it's funny that we were talking about that yesterday and we were we were on we were on the right track there with Will Levis, Malik Willis getting the start here. Uh, maybe it's time to trade Derrick Henry, because why wouldn't you? It, it makes sense. All right. Let's take a quick break. 
869-1240 is the IHOP hotline. We'll come back. We'll bring in our pal Chelsea Messenger. We'll talk a little. She's a Tennessee Titans fan. She's right there in the middle of it. Maybe we'll see what she thinks about Derrick Henry getting traded. But we'll talk about betting for sure. That's all coming. Sports Daily continues after this. This is Sports Daily on KFH. On the line is the host of the Daily Tip and Odyssey Sports Betting Insider, Chelsea Messenger. Insider calls are presented by BetMGM. Go check out all of the latest lines today on the BetMGM app. Also, be sure to check out the Daily Tip podcast for more of Chelsea Messenger analysis. Just search BetMGM wherever you find your podcasts. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily here. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster, joined by Chelsea Messenger. Chelsea, glad to be here with you again this week. It is the start of the NBA season. We got a World Series starting tomorrow. Thursday night football, college and NFL. This is it, man. This is the best. Oh, it is. But as better, I think this is the hardest time to have some discipline. Because the hardest thing to do is to try to bet sharply on multiple sports at once, especially the NBA, when you don't have much of a sample size, uh, you know, one game under your belt. So be careful. And remember, you don't have to bet on everything. Well, I don't have to bet on the World Series because I already do, but I will. Uh, I'll just bet the Rangers each individual game. What do you make of this World Series matchup now? Rangers, Diamondbacks, whatever you think, just tell me that you love the Rangers. Don't tell me the truth if that's not the truth. Uh, but but how are you feeling about this? Well, if I'm remembering correctly, you have a nice little futures ticket on the Rangers. Correct. So it feels to me that you shouldn't be betting on them in the individual games as well. Like maybe just ride out that ticket and kind of hope for the best. Because I do think the Rangers probably will win. But how many times have people discounted the Diamondbacks? And, you know, a lot of the narrative coming out of the NLCS is, okay, the Phillies choked, but look at what the Diamondbacks did. They went on the road to probably the most hostile environment that you could probably imagine in a game seven and won in pretty commanding fashion over that Phillies team. So at some point you got to put some respect on the Diamondbacks name. But I do think in the first two games of this series, when you have Nathan Avaldi and Jordan Montgomery on the bump, Uh, maybe the play is the Rangers in the first five. Because I would say if there's any fault in this Rangers team, it's probably with the bullpen. They don't have a ton of depth, and maybe it won't come to the surface until, like, you know, game three or game four. But still, I think if there's any weakness with the Rangers, it's definitely not their offense. It's not their top two starting pitchers. It's maybe when you get to the bullpen and also what we expect from Max Scherzer. Because in game three, I would imagine the the starting pitcher matchup is going to be Max Scherzer against Brandon Fodd, who's been fantastic for the Diamondbacks. So I think you need to pick your spots carefully in this uh, series and try to take uh, some of those things into consideration. Chelsea, I do have to say, though, you just said you got to put respect on the Diamondbacks range. The Rangers went to a hostile environment after a heartbreaking loss in game five and did the exact same thing. Yeah, right. I would say the Rangers are not the underdogs at the Diamondbacks. No, they're not. They're absolutely I don't think not. I There's would put no any question. Environment over Philly. Like, have yeah, you been not. to Philadelphia? Oh, the Astros. The Astros home. Yeah, the Astros home fan was not. I mean, they weren't. 
they weren't that impressive because they've been there like a billion times now. I, I get it. Uh, but I appreciate I appreciate the enthusiasm and uh, we just need to get this done. We just need to get this done. That's 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 we. all I can say about it. We all of us collectively. Who's not rooting for the Rangers? I mean, Chelsea, I got a futures. I got I got to send my kids to college here. Like we got to we got to make this happen. Oh, yes. Uh, go ahead and send that to the Rangers players. But listen, uh, if you guys don't win this, my kid's education is on the line. Uh, I don't exactly know. Right. I feel like the Dimebacks have been a good story, too. But I do think it's a, a World Series where both sides, I think nobody would feel bad if, like, one side won or the other. I don't think anybody's actively rooting against one of these teams, which I think would be the case if we had the Astros in this position. Agreed. Yeah, so let's get to some bets, shall we? Let's do it. Thursday night football here. Sorry, Chelsea. There we uh, Thursday night football. I, look, uh, nine and a half points. What are we doing here? Huh. I, that seems that seems way too long for me. Yeah, but do you want to trust this Bucks offense? Like, I don't really want to either. But nine and a half does not seem like a bettable number to me, especially with this Bills team that hasn't even been trustworthy outright as huge favorites. They've lost outright some games, including last week. The defense gave up 29 points to one of the worst offenses in the league in the New England Patriots. So it just feels like a Bills team that I don't really want to bet on or against. Like, if I were to take a side, it would definitely be the Bucks. In no world am I laying nine and a half points in, on a short week um, for this Bills team that's only four and three. I think you only consider those type of point spreads when it's a huge mismatch you know, take a look at, like, the Niners and the Giants game. Like, that's the only spot where maybe I would consider a nine-and-a-half-point spread. But this is different. I think you look to the props market. I think the play for me is going to be Dalton Kincaid over his reception prop of 37-and-a-half yards. This is based on one of the injuries we've seen with the Buffalo Bills. Dawson Knox, their other tight end, is out. So those targets have to go somewhere. And when Dalton Kincaid gets targets, he delivers. We saw it last week coming off a season-high eight targets, and he delivered. Uh, 75 receiving yards, that is a season-high. I would expect more targets for Dalton Kincaid in this game. Also, it's a pretty low number at 37-and-a-half. And I do think the passing game is the way that the Bills probably attack this uh, Bucks defense. The Bucks are pretty solid against the run. Uh, the number one red zone defense as well. So maybe just take yards instead of points. Uh, so the Bills like to throw the ball anyway. I think a play on Dalton Kincaid is my favorite one. Chelsea, what do you make of the Bills overall at four and three? I mean, of course they they struggled a week ago against the Patriots. Uh, you know, lost at the end of the game to New England. Do you think? I mean, I'm looking at the futures right now, and you can get the Bills plus money to win the division still. Um, I mean, do you think that there's legitimate concern with them? Uh, at four and three, or is this still a team that you think can win the division and, and make a run in the playoffs? I think there is some reason for concern when it comes to the turnovers that Josh Allen puts out there sometimes, but you've got to remember it is a pass heavy offense. So, you know, by virtue of the fact that he's throwing the ball more, he's obviously going to have more interceptions, but I don't think they're worth a play in my book. Uh, but to go against what I'm saying here, it's wild to me the waves that we see the narratives come in the NFL. Uh, you've got to remember it's still October 26th. There is still plenty of time in the season for this Bills team to get it together. Like, I don't think I'd want to bet on that, but I think that's what you have to look at in the futures market. The most important thing is timing. 
in a futures market. You don't want to play a team when they're at the top of their stock. Like, you know, look at the Ravens right now and all the MVP hype that Lamar Jackson is getting. You don't want to play them right now, like off of, you know, a commanding win over the Lions. Maybe you wait until, you know, the stock falls a little bit, even though you look at the Ravens' schedule. They've got a couple easy ones coming up. Uh, but I think that's how you look at the Bills. If you like them, you do play them now. I'm not sure if I like them, though. All right, Chelsea, let's let's talk a little bit about um, about Travis Kelsey here. Travis Kelsey has been nails. Who? And like, exactly. <laughs> uh, how do you like how how do you when his props are going to inflate? Yet you see the kind of usage he's gotten in that offense. You know what he just did against Denver the last time they played. Like, how do you even approach a guy? And, and, it, and it doesn't just go for Kelsey. It's like McCaffrey's in this vein, right, on his touchdown props. Like, do you just keep banging the drum even as they creep up and up and up? I think it's one of those that you just don't play it. Like, I don't even look at Travis Kelsey props anymore just because I feel like there's not a ton of value, even though this was like a square bet last year. And I remember playing Travis Kelsey anytime touchdowns up to even minus 150 at the end of the season because he was such a threat in the red zone. So I think that he is such a cheat code. Like, he's still the best tight end in the league. So, like, you can make a case for betting his overs. Just know you are never getting a bargain on this. This is similar to betting really high totals on, say, Tyreek Hill. Or uh, Cooper Cup. I know his was, you know, 90 and a half. He didn't get the, get it this past week. It's just there's not a ton of value. Like, you might be right, but again, you are not getting a steal on any of these big-name players. Speaking of Travis Kelsey, of course, we know the Chiefs are headed to Denver uh, to play the Broncos for the second time in three weeks this weekend. It was kind of a weird matchup a couple weeks ago, Chelsea, because the Broncos offensively played really, really poorly when that's kind of been their strong suit throughout the entire season. But the Broncos defense, which has been bad, played well against Kansas City. The Chiefs are seven-point road favorites. Anything you're looking at with this matchup? This line has come down dramatically. I believe it was eight, maybe eight and a half uh, earlier in the week. So now you can look at it as, hey, you're getting a steal on the Chiefs. Only seven-point favorites. But I think the best play for this game is putting it in a teaser because I'm sure you guys have these numbers in front of you or know them by heart. Having the Chiefs absolutely own the Broncos straight up uh, in oh, yeah. you know the past 10 years. So you put them in a teaser. You get the Chiefs down to minus one. I think that's how you play this game. I, you talk about teasers, and I've been dabbling into that. Like, what what is your comfort when you're doing a teaser? Are you trying to get to near even money, or like, because for me, I'm a sucker, of course, for parlays, and I want like long odds because you know I I bet small amounts. But like, what what is the proper strategy for a teaser? Trying to find something that gets you to close to even money. Well, I think uh, for me, it's less about that and more about how many key numbers can you get through. Um, so it's more about looking at the numbers that are available and saying, okay, I think this is a good bet. If I can get the chiefs minus one, if you think it's a game that they're probably going to win, uh, you can combine it with two. And I think it's still on uh you're still paying some juice. Maybe it's minus minus one thirty uh, for a two leg teaser, but it's plus plus one sixty yeah. If you like three, the more of these teaser, the more legs that you have in a teaser, uh, the more tricky it gets because usually there's one team that gets absolutely roasted. Like last week, I had the Lions in a teaser, 
that did not go well. They didn't cover any kind of teaser leg, uh, no matter how you slice it. So, yes, it can be tempting to throw a bunch in, but think about how many results that you have to kind of nail. So I think it's probably a three-team max for me in teasers, but uh, two teams is probably the the safer bet, obviously, just because you have to count on less things to go right. Uh, But the key goal is to try to go through as many key numbers. You want to go through three, six, seven, and, you know, possibly 14 if you're uh, teasing the Bears and Chargers this week if you want to get the Bears at uh, plus 14 and a half. So that's the goal. I got to ask you because I know you're a Titans fan. They are home underdogs, two and a half point home dogs against the Falcons. What do you make of that? Yeah, this is the ultimate roll of the roulette uh, wheel. Just because we're not even sure who's playing quarterback, it looks like we're probably going to get a little bit of both. Both Malik Willis and uh, Will Levis, the guy that puts mayonnaise in his coffee. That's what he's best known for. Uh, So it doesn't feel like a game I really want to play on the spread, but I do have a play in this game. It's over three and a half field goals. Both of these kickers for the Falcons and the Titans have been really good. Uh, Young Waiku, if you remember last week, had the game winner against the Bucs. He's 13 of 14 uh, on his field goal attempts this year. Meanwhile, Nick Falk for the Titans, a perfect 16 for 16, including three for three on attempts of 50-plus. Both of these red zone defenses are really good. The Titans have only given up nine touchdowns all season long and have the third best red zone defense in the league, which usually lends itself to more field goals. Meanwhile, Atlanta has only allowed one rushing touchdown in seven games and checks in as the fifth best red zone defense and third best on third down. So I think the way you play this one uh, is you hope for some field goals. Over three and a half field goals made between the Titans and the Falcons that's minus 125. What else in the NFL has your attention this week, Chelsea? Yeah, before the line moved, I did like the Seahawks minus three. Now that one's three and a half. It makes me a little bit nervous. But I think maybe now is the time to sell on the Cleveland Browns. They've had a couple of big wins. First, they knocked off the Niners as big underdogs in that one. Then they won in a barn burner. 39 to 38 last week over the Colts. And I think the biggest takeaway is what the hell happened to their defense? Uh, We have been heralding them as the best defense in the league. And I still think that's probably the case, but I'll take the Seahawks at home, better offense here. We still have questions surrounding Deshaun. I think we might've just lost Chelsea there. Um, Sounded like a, a call dropped, so we'll uh, we'll that which is good. We were getting her last last little bit there anyway. We'll uh, we can send her a message and get that last play um, from her and let everybody know. But uh, so you know, we we look at that, Tommy. I, I'm with her on the Browns being a little weird right now. I don't know if I, I mean, I don't know. I, I you know what's interesting, and and I wanted to get to this. Maybe we can in the next segment. CBS Sports put out a a seven opportunities to win the Super Bowl teams, and the Seahawks are one of them. And really? I was like, huh. So I, I wanted to go through that list anyway. So that's sort of a nice setup for that, that she mentioned the fact that that, that game's in the mix. I think we all forget about Seattle. And, and they were good last year, and they've been out to a good start this year. Uh, so let's do that. We appreciate Chelsea Messenger, by the way. Uh, we lost it right there at the end. But that was the host of the Daily Tip and Odyssey Sports Betting Insider, Chelsea Messenger, Insider Calls, presented by BetMGM. Go check out all the latest lines today on the BetMGM app. All right, Jad, let's uh, let's do a giveaway. Let's start with hockey today. 
um, on our way out the door here. Don't forget, we've got Tim Fitzgerald coming top of the next hour. But let's give away some hockey. Tommy, what have we got? Yeah, tomorrow night in Trust Bank Arena, the Thunder take on the Cincinnati Cyclones. Puck drops at 7.05, and uh, we'll give away a family four-pack of tickets to that game tomorrow night. All right, so a family four-pack gets you and the family or some friends out to the Wichita Thunder game tomorrow. You can do that by being the first caller to the IHOP hotline. 869-1240 is that number. Good luck, everybody. Jad will get us a winner. We'll come back and we'll talk about that list of teams that have a chance to win the Super Bowl next on Sports Daily. This is Sports Daily on KFH. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily on KFH. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Castor here with you. Jad Chambers is man and things taking your calls on that ihop hotline giving you prizes all kinds of good stuff there our thanks to chelsea messenger there our betting insider um i will not be listening though tommy and i will be betting every game individually with the rangers um you know that's that's just how this is going to play out that's what i've been doing and if you think i'm going to do anything differently now than the way i've been doing it you're crazy because i'm not it's not going to happen uh by the way i just saw this major league baseball put out ratings uh, the 2023 post, I guess the league championship series were great. The 2023 postseason now a 7% increase in ratings uh, over last year, Tommy, heading into the World Series. We'll see if that holds through, but it does continue a trend where baseball's just been more popular this year than it has been in a while. And I, I do think these rule changes are a big part of it. Look, when you can get in and out of a baseball game and or a postseason game in three hours or less, that's a that's a big win. And a lot of the regular season games, it was, you know, like two and a half hours. It makes it far better. Absolutely. And, you know, I know that we had been, at least I had been, fairly critical of, of some of the playoff games starting at 2 o'clock in the afternoon or 4 o'clock in the afternoon on a weekday. But even then, like, you know, I know that, yeah, like that's not super convenient when it's not in prime time. But at the same time, you don't have to take up four hours of your afternoon to watch a game. Uh, right. You're getting in and out quick, and not only is the total duration going down of the game, but also the time in between pitches. You're not there's not a lot of downtime like there used to be. That makes it so much more entertaining and, and fun to watch. It 100 percent the pitch clock I think is the best viewing experience change, but more subtly. The, the elimination of the shift has put more balls in play. You've got guys yeah. stealing bases now, which are obviously more exciting. It's all been good, and I'm glad to see it carry through that way uh, for Major League Baseball because it, it has been – I mean, it's been tangibly better this year. It just has, in my opinion. Like, I, I just think absolutely has been better. Uh, all right, let's talk about this list. So CBS Sports puts out a list today of teams that – and they say seven – who could win a Super Bowl title. Kansas City, we would obviously agree. Philadelphia, Baltimore, San Francisco, Miami, Jacksonville, and Seattle. Surprisingly, the Bills are not on this list. Uh, in Seattle is on this list. I think those are the two biggest things. Are you good with this list? I'm not counting the Bills out. You know who else isn't on that list, actually? Cincinnati. Yeah. And I'm not counting I'm not counting either one of them out right now. I think that's a little crazy, and I think I would 
you know, certainly take both those teams over Seattle, but it's a list, you know, lists are lists. It's somebody's opinion, but what do you think of it? Dallas is not on the list, right? They're not one of the seven. Uh-uh. Detroit, they're not on one. the list. I, I didn't. I don't disagree I didn't hear you with say Dallas. Detroit. No, I didn't. I did not. I don't disagree with Dallas. Um, Detroit, I'm on the fence for because I I want to see Montgomery get back and see what that yeah. does for them. Uh, but I, I'm not going to put Dallas as they currently stand on that list. I mean, they they may be better than some of those teams, but Dallas didn't win a Super Bowl unless they do something drastic. Not right. not going to happen. I'm not sure Seattle is going to get there. I think they're a good team. I think that they. You know, last year, like, nobody thought they were going to be in the position that they were, uh, and that was great. And then going into this season, I think everybody kind of counted them out again. Like, oh, it was kind of a, you know, a fluky year last year for Geno Smith as the comeback player of the year and all of that. Uh, But, you know, they're not going to really do anything this year. And and here they are. Like, they're, you know, they're one step behind San Francisco in the division. But, you know, man, like, they've they've got solid play in other areas for sure that have, you know, kept them in that mix. So, I don't know if I'm ready to put them in the category of teams that could win a championship, but I do think that they are a team that absolutely is a playoff team again this year. So here's here's what happens, and this has happened a lot during this year, and why I would not put Seattle there either. They are playing pretty good defense the last three weeks, but Tommy, I mean, the reality is they they did beat Detroit in overtime. Okay, that yeah. was a big one. But they have wins over Carolina, the Giants, and Arizona. And they've lost to Cincinnati and the Rams. They haven't beaten anybody good. That win over Detroit looks good. But then they have a couple of cupcakes, and it's like, well, what are they really, right? Like, let's see them play San Francisco the first time. Which one does that happen? Uh, they got they got a weird thing where it doesn't happen. It happens real close together later in the year. So they still have to play San Francisco twice. They still have to play Dallas. They still have to play Philadelphia. They still have to play fit Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Baltimore. Like, I, I, I'm not ready to put Seattle there yet. Like, you, you've beaten a couple yeah. of cupcakes, and you have one good win. Like, okay, great. Like, everybody has one good win. They're not there yet. I would, I would put Cincinnati, who, by the way, beat Seattle. I would put Cincinnati in there still, and I would put Buffalo in there. I would remove Seattle. And I think other than that, that's pretty good for me. I'm not putting Dallas in, and I'll hold on Detroit until I see David Montgomery come back and, and be a part of that offense again. But... I will say this. Last year, it felt like there were four teams with a shot, right? The three in the AFC, the big three, and Philadelphia. It does feel, and maybe you'd put San Francisco in there last year, but it does feel like it's more open this year than than in a while, right? Like, even though I think the Chiefs are separating just slightly, I, I do think, like, where we came into this year and we said, you know, five teams have a chance, Philadelphia, San Francisco, and the big three in the AFC. I do think that's expanded out, and you could see other teams make it through. I think so a little bit. I think it's because we've seen Buffalo and Cincinnati be a little bit down to start the season. I mean, the way that Cincinnati started the year um, was not great at all, and then Buffalo has kind of stumbled the last couple of weeks. So then that opens the door for other teams like Miami, and they're what they've been able to do offensively. And Teams like Jacksonville, you know, being able to get into the mix. And Baltimore, what they've done as of late also. I mean, it does creak the door open a little bit where, you know, I think a year ago it was pretty clear who the cream of the crop in the NFL was and nobody else was going to crack into that. Uh, At this point in the season, you've got a handful of other teams that I think can lay claim to that. Now, whether or not that holds true two months from now, I mean, that's a different question. But as of right now, yeah, I do think the door is – 
a little bit more open for other teams that we didn't see last year being contenders actually in that mix this season. Yeah, I, I think so, too. Um, I think it's been that kind of year in the NFL. And everybody also, the other thing about the NFL this year is the, the just absolute long list of key injuries. Right. Every, t- every team feels like a key injury away from disaster. Right. And I'm not talking about quarterbacks, just in general terms. Like, that's what's happened to Buffalo, of course. But every team on that list is a key injury away from a disaster, uh, which, which also, I think, speaks to how even and spread out things are this year. Okay, let's take a let's take a break here. We're coming into hour number two. We'll have our K State insider Tim Fitzgerald on. Very interesting time for the Wildcats, uh, as they you, know, you can't afford to to overlook anybody here as you get ready for Texas. What did Fitz think of the two quarterback system, uh, and is that sustainable moving forward? We'll talk about it all when we continue on Sports Daily. <laughs> 